Hello and welcome to Antiviral, the COVID-19 curriculum for health profession students. As a reminder, the entire curriculum, including case studies, practice exercises, and other resources, is available online at curriculum.covidstudentresponse.org. This episode is a part of Module 2, Epidemiology Principles. The goal of this module is to learn how to apply epidemiological principles to describe the spread of COVID-19, as well as evaluate the potential impact of public health interventions through modeling and historical and contemporary examples. The goal of this episode is to discuss the current state of the pandemic in the United States at the time of recording, early July 2020. Let's get started. Yeah, so before we get into the numbers, I want to clarify something. I've heard that the reported number of cases underestimates the actual total number of cases. Is this true? I mean, if so, why? So there are a couple of reasons for this underestimation. First, the incubation period, or the time between infection and symptom onset, makes it more difficult to accurately identify all infected individuals at any point in time. Second, as we'll discuss, asymptomatic or presymptomatic carriers can silently transmit the disease to others before they ever realize they're infected. So both these carriers and those they infect may not be identified and included in the total count of infected individuals. Lastly, it's been difficult to get an accurate and up-to-date estimate of the total number of infected people due to limited testing availability and delays in receiving testing results. Okay, so how many cases are we missing exactly? Well, based on data from previous epidemics, it's estimated that for every one case that is reported, right. there may be as many as 10 to 50 other cases that we don't know about. So when you hear confirmed cases, you can mentally multiply that number by at least 10 to have an idea of the disease incidence. Ouch. The numbers are bad enough already. Uh, is there any way we can get a more accurate estimate? Yeah, there is. One way to get a better estimate for the true prevalence of COVID-19 is through ongoing surveillance testing. This refers to frequent testing of subsets of the general population to look for signs of prior or current COVID-19 infection. This could be testing for actual viral particles to confirm active infection, or it could be looking for antibodies to the virus that signify prior infection. Through this testing, we can get a sense of how many people have had COVID-19, that is, the overall incidence of the disease, and use this information to guide a response to the pandemic, such as how long to impose these social distancing guidelines. All right, so I'm afraid to ask, but what are the current estimates for the case count in the United States? Well, as of July 9th, there's been a total of about 3.2 million cases in the United States. Wow. And the recent surge in cases, which has been in many ways worse than any preceding surge in the United States, certainly hasn't helped. At this point, we're seeing up to 60,000 new cases per day. And Dr. Anthony Fauci recently predicted that we'll see up to 100,000 new cases per day within just the next few weeks. And this prediction has been supported by other leaders in infectious diseases. Alright, so we've talked about how to interpret the reported number of cases and how we can improve our estimates, but what about the case fatality rate? And like, you know, what is that anyway? Yeah, so the case fatality rate is the percent of patients with a disease who die from that disease. What we've noticed so far is that patients infected with SARS-CoV-2 worldwide have a widely variable chance of death. Initial estimates for the case fatality rate from the CDC 
were between 1.8 to 3.4%. But more recent mm-hmm. estimates from our world and data report an overall case fatality rate of 4.6%. Uh, okay, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but that doesn't sound that high. How does it compare to other diseases? Yeah, alone it doesn't sound like much, but consider, for example, the seasonal flu. Especially since there was a lot of, it's just the flu going around at the beginning of the pandemic. The seasonal flu has a case fatality rate of 0.1%. This would mean that COVID's case fatality rate could be almost 50 times that of the seasonal flu. Okay, yeah, that, that definitely puts things in perspective. Do we know if everyone has an equal risk of dying from COVID? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, one thing to keep in mind when considering the overall case fatality rate is that these fatalities are not evenly distributed across the population. Probably the most important predictor of a poor outcome in COVID-19 is a patient's age. As a COVID patient gets older, their chances of being hospitalized, ending up in the ICU, or dying from the disease progressively increases. For example, a COVID-19 patient between 20 and 44 has somewhere around a 0.6% chance of dying from the disease, whereas patients over 85 have between a 10.4 and a 27.3% chance of death when infected with COVID-19. Okay, so we talked about how the reported case numbers could be off by a factor of 10 or more. Uh, Is there any sort of caveat I should know when considering case fatality rates? Well, the overall case fatality rate is difficult to make sense of because we've been, for the most part, testing patients with more severe disease, especially early on in the pandemic when testing was limited. It's also important to remember that deaths lag behind new cases. So the number in a case fatality rate calculation, that is the total number of deaths in confirmed cases, may be an underestimate. So in other words, Keep in mind the time window these calculations are based on when you come across one. Meanwhile, the denominator in a case fatality rate calculation is the number of confirmed cases of COVID-19. And this may also be an underestimate due to lack of testing of the general population and presence of asymptomatic cases. There's currently no way, especially with how little surveillance screening is being performed, to determine the true number of COVID-19 cases at any given time, since many patients are asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic and may never present for care or testing. Okay, got it. By the way, I've seen some pretty big variation in the reported case fatality rates by country. Why is that? Yeah, it's a good catch. Those of you who've been keeping an eye out might have noticed that although the overall case fatality rate on a global scale is about 4.6%, which you'll notice matches that of the U.S. because we currently account for the large majority of both deaths and cases. But Italy, for example, is reporting a case fatality rate of 8%. One commonly proposed reason for Italy's high case fatality rate is basically that their health system was overwhelmed. Especially because it was affected by the pandemic so soon after its onset, Italy had little time or resources to prepare for what was to come. And combined with a large elderly population, these factors may have together contributed to Italy's high case fatality rate. So now we can move on to subjects that may facilitate the spread of COVID-19. We'll start with the topics of pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic transmission. Yeah, so before we talk about that, let's review what uh, a latent period is and what an incubation period is. A latent period is the time from exposure to a virus to when you're able to transmit the virus. This can differ from the incubation period, which is the time from exposure to the first symptoms. 
What this means is that there can be a period when an individual is infected and can transmit a disease before they ever have symptoms. This is called presymptomatic transmission. People can also get infected and transmit the disease without ever developing symptoms. This is what we call asymptomatic transmission. Current estimates of the SARS-CoV-2 incubation period, which is again from initial exposure to symptom onset, range from 1 to 14 days, with a median of 5 days. And 95% of people infected with the virus who will develop symptoms at some point develop those symptoms within 12 days after infection. And at this point, we think that people can transmit the virus up to two days before they ever start to have symptoms. In fact, recent estimates suggest that half or more of newly confirmed COVID-19 cases are spread by people that show mild or no symptoms of the disease. This is why social isolation, especially of young, healthy, asymptomatic people, that is, the people who are most likely to be responsible for asymptomatic transmission, is critical in controlling disease spread. So... One thing I'm still curious about is how long someone who's infected with coronavirus is contagious. What do we know about that? Yeah, well, it's thought that people with COVID can transmit the disease even after their symptoms resolve. At this point, our best guess for the contagious period is 10 days after symptom resolution, or in the case of somebody who's tested positive but never developed symptoms, 10 days after that test was completed. That said, we've seen cases where people transmit the virus even after this 10-day period, so the general guideline is to continue to isolate for 14 days after symptom onset or positive testing. Got it. Thanks for tuning in. That's all for this episode. We hope you'll tune in to some of our other episodes for this module and others as well. See you there.